Masechet Kiddushin, Daf Tet Vav. We just saw a machloket between a Tanakama and Rabbi El Azar. Rabbi El Azar said that the laws of an Eved Ivri who sells himself are equivalent to laws of an Eved Ivri who is sold by a Bet Din. However, Tanakama said there are several differences between them. Uh, for example, someone who sells himself does not uh, does not pierce his ear, cannot renew. Whereas if a bet if the betin sells him, then he can he he can do that. So we're going to look for the source for this. How come someone who sells himself cannot get his ear pierced and remain as a slave? For longer, we're bringing in a pasuk from Shemot, Parashat Mishpatim, which the Gemara says also is about someone being sold in a betin, just like Devarim also is about an ever that's sold in a betin. And in that pasuk in Shemot, it says that the owner will um, pierce his ear uh, with an awl, and so this word uh, it. Ozno, Ozno, his ear, meaning his ear, that's a limiting word, and not the ear of someone who sells himself into slavery. That's it. Once his uh, once his um, uh, time is up, that whatever time they agreed to when he sold himself, that's it. He does not have the option to renew. Okay, ve'idach. Now, to be Al-Azad, he said that the two types of slaves are equivalent. So what is he going to do with that pasuk, Ozno? So he's going to use that word for a Gezerah Shava. As the Braita teaches, how do you know that uh, when you pierce the ear of a slave that you use to do the right one? Because also regarding a Mesora, uh, where you have to put uh, use the, the right ear, uh, put blood on it to purify him. Um, there it says the right ear, and over here it says the word ear. So just like regarding the Mesora, it's the right ear. So to here we use the right ear. So he's using a pasuk for something else. Now, V'idach, Tanakama, where is he going to learn this law? That has to be the right ear. He could learn two things from this word because thus the word ozen by itself, I learned the right ear. Ozno, his ear means only the one who's sold by a betin and not the one who sells himself. What are you going to do with the extra letter of Ozno? He says that's to teach that only a male slave can uh, pierce his ear and remain longer. A female slave does not have that option of renewing. And now Tanakama, where is he going to learn that law? He can learn that from a different phrase. If the slave says, I like my master, I want to stay. It says here, Ayved, it doesn't say Amma. Therefore, only a male slave can renew and an Amma cannot renew. V'idach, what are you going to do with that pasuk? From that, he learns from there that a male slave can only renew while he's still a slave. Now, let's say it's for six years, and so near the end of the sixth year, he has to say, I want to renew. If it already passed, and he was already freed, he can't come back, even a day later after he was freed, come back and say, oh, I'd like you to pierce my ear, I want to stay. Once he's freed, that's it. 
he cannot, he lost the option to renew. Good. Doesn't he agree with this law? Where is he going to learn it from? Oh, the Pasuk says, has an extra So he learns that. Uh, he learns that law from the extra hair, the idach, and the Rabbi Alazar. What are you going to do with that extra hair? Ayabid, ha ayabid, la darish. He does not learn anything from the extra hair. Uh, he just says that's just part of the word. You have to say, imyomad ha ayabid. You can't just say, imyomad ayabid. And therefore, he doesn't learn anything new from uh, from that. And there you go. That's the source of the machloket between Tanakam and Rabbi Alazar about whether a, um, a, a someone who sells him slave sells himself as a slave can uh, renew by re- by piercing his ear. Next, Tanakama said, someone who sells himself does not get a severance package. This is curious, logically, why should that be? If he sold himself, shouldn't he deserve one? Someone who's sold by a betin, because, you know, by, by force, so he stole something or whatever. So, and that person should get a severance package. A possible explanation is that um, the Torah says, you are, we are abadim to Hashem only, right? He took us out of Egypt. So really, you're not allowed to sell yourself into slavery um, willingly. And so that person who sells himself willingly, Tanakhama could say, he doesn't deserve a severance package. Whereas the one who was sold by a court by force, he didn't want to be a slave, but he was forced to, so then maybe that person is actually in better and deserves a severance package. Okay, whatever the reason, we want to know the source. The Pasuk regarding someone sold by a Betin in Devarim says, surely give him a severance package to him. Law. Um, so we learn from that word law, that specific, it's a limiting word, only to the one sold by a betin and not to the slave that sold, that sells himself. Ve'idach, Rabbi Elazar, what is he going to do, what is he going to do with that word law? Ha'humi ba'aleh, law ve'lo liyoshav. That he teaches that this severance package goes to the slave when he goes free, uh, and any slave, um, according to Rabbi Elazar, and not to his heirs. So for example, let's say the slave, the slave, he's at the end of his term and he's going free, but then he dies before the master gets a chance to give him the severance. So the heirs of the slave can come and say, we'll pay us the severance. Could they say that? The answer is no. It only goes to him, law, and it doesn't go to the heirs. Now we ask, Yoshava, my law, wait, why not? Ebedivri is called a sachir, like a hired worker. And what if a hired worker, let's say he did a day of work, and then he dropped dead at the end of the day before he got paid. The heirs can go and, and collect the wages for that day. Uh, so uh, since the Eved Ivri is similar to a hired worker, so the severance should be able to go to, to the heirs. So law can't be uh, limiting that because in fact the, the heirs do get it. Ela law velo leba'al hobo. Rather, Rabbi Al-Azari could say um, that the money goes to, the severance goes only to the to the, late, to the um, slave and not to someone who is uh, owed money by the slave, right? If you have someone who uh, wants to come collect the debt, he can't, instead of going to the slave, the slave is, oh, I have no money on me. Uh, can the person who's, who, owe, who is owed money, can the creditor go to the owner um, and say, hey, that severance that you're going to give the slave, give it to me because he owes money. No, there's no obligation to, for, to give the severance to the creditor 
the severance only goes to the slave himself. Now, why might you think that you could do that? Can you have a, uh, um, you know, uh, a, uh, a skip, skip a, uh, the person in the middle, skip the middleman? If A owes B money and B owes C money, right? Can A, can C just go straight to A instead of going through B? Well, there is an opinion that says you can in general. Rubinatan says in general, if you have A that uh, is is uh, requesting money from B and B is requesting money from C, then A could skip the middleman, go to C and say, hey, I want you to pay me. How do you know that? Because it says you will give to whoever is guilty. Whoever needs to pay, you have to give it to him. And so even though A has to pay B, but B has to pay C. So you know what? Just uh, pay the one who is, uh, just go to the one who needs to pay all straight there because he has to pay B. So you may as well just give it to see uh, uh, to see directly. So the Binatan says in general, you can do that. Uh, but for the word law says, that's for a general loan or someone that owes money. But in the case of severance, although that's something that the owner has to give, the creditor cannot do this, uh, come and say, hey, just give it straight to me because he owes me money. No, this severance is special to the slave. He gets it directly. Now, so the word law comes to exclude the Binatan in this case. Fine, that's what Rabbi Elazar could do uh, with it. Be'idach, but now Tanakama, he used law already as a limiting word uh, to say that this applies only to someone that's sold by Betin. So what is he, how is he going to learn this law? Tanakama could say, in general, I don't agree with Rabbi Natan. Just because A owes B and B owes C doesn't mean C can go all the way back to A, right? Uh, a could say, leave me alone. I owe B. I have nothing to do with you. And so since you can't do that chain collection in general, so there's no need to exclude it in this particular case. So they both agree that for the wages, um, you cannot, uh, the creditor cannot go straight to the uh, owner to collect. Now, the next difference between Tanakama and Bielaza, Tanakama says, that someone who sells himself into slavery, his master it cannot force the slave to um, have children with a shifcha kena'anit that he also owns. But someone who sells himself, uh, so, uh, someone who's sold by betin, the master can force that, and then he owns those uh, children. Uh, so Tanakama could say, I'm going back to Shemot, which is also about someone sold by a Betin. It says, if his master should give him a wife, law, a limiting word, that this law only applies to someone who is sold by Betin and not someone who sells himself. What's he going to do with that word law? That is to teach uh, teach me that even against his will, this uh, slave, well, according to the Be'alazad, both both types of slaves, is, is uh, this applies to, both types of slaves, the master can say, I want you to go have get me children with the shivcha kana'anit, and even if he says, no, I don't want to, he can force him, you know, whip him, whatever, uh, force him to do so. Now, Tanakama, how is he going to learn this law of Ba'al Korcho? Mi ke mi 
from the phrase in Devarim, which is also about someone who was sold by a Betin, it says he worked double. Where is the double work here? Well, a regular worker works during the day, but not at night. Whereas in Ebedivri, he has to work for the master both in the day and in the night. Now, what kind of work is he doing at night? Can you, can you uh, uh, think that the Evadivri is actually doing physical labor both in the day and the night? The Pasuk says it should be good for him with you, that he eats with you, he drinks with you, he has to have a standard of living the same. Whatever you're eating for dinner, he eats for dinner also. So that means he should work, or he could work during the day. You can't work him 24-7, right? That's not, uh, that's not living well with you. He has to live a regular life. It's okay, you can work, he can work all day, Everybody works all day, but he doesn't. He can't go and do field work at night. That's not reasonable. Rather, what's the work that he's doing at night? That the master can force him to uh, sleep with the shivcha kenanit at night, and that way, uh, if he wants uh, children, to produce children that will continue to be slaves for him. So that's where to be. Um, that's where Tanakama learns this law that uh, one can force. A master can force his slave that was sold by Betin to um, be with the Shivcha Knanit at night. What's he going to do with this uh, with this uh, derivation? No, even from this derivation, I might have thought that's only if he agrees to, right? That uh, if he agrees, then the slave will work in the day and the night. And Pasuk is saying, don't feel bad that you're letting him go free after six years. He worked for you day and night. Probably he did, right? Assuming that he was willing to uh, do that work at night and bear children for him. But it doesn't mean necessarily that he had that you force him to. Maybe if he doesn't want to, you cannot force him to. So that's why, according to Rabbi El you still need the word law to teach me Baal Korcho. Uh, so that's what he does with this Pasuk. So now we understand the derivation according to both opinions. Ela mantana Now we're going to the previous stuff when we mentioned this Gezerah Shava of Sakhir. Sakhir says it in Vaikra and in Devarim, uh, once in the context of someone who sells himself and the other one in the context of someone who's sold by Ebetin. And since it says the same word in both, uh, so we applied the laws of one to the other. And we mentioned that there is a Tana who think, who does not follow, use this Gezerah Shava and we suggest that maybe that is the Tanakama of the Braita we were just mentioning, that it be Al-Azhar, who says the law is applied to both the same, he does make this Gezerah Shavah, and Tanakama does not. But then we said, no, in fact, Tanakama learns all these laws from other places. So now we're back to the drawing board, who could be the Tana who does not use this Gezerah Shavah? And we answer, Hai Tanahu, the Tanya, Veshav el Mishpachto, Amar bi Eliezer ben Yaakov, Ba'ameha katum edaber, Ibo mocher atzmo, Hare kevar amur.
We're discussing these two Pesukim here in Vayikra, which is about a, se- a slave who sells himself. It says, Ad avod aymach, uh, He will work until the Yovel year. And next Pesuk it says, and then he will leave um, uh, you and Veshav el Mishpachto and return to his family. So there's a doubling here that we're going to try to figure out what does this mean? What does it apply to? Uh, so who is the uh, who is the Tana that does not use a Gezerah Shavah? It would be the following, uh, the, the Tana of this Baraita to be Eliezer ben Yaakov, who says, who asks, what is this pasuk talking about? The second pasuk, Veshav mishpachto. If it's talking about someone who sold himself into slavery, that was already mentioned in the previous pasuk, Ad Yovel. So, Ibn Irsa, if, if, if someone who sold himself, that let's say uh, for six years, and then uh, Yovel comes in the middle, he goes free, even before the six years. That I already learned. If the pasuk is talking about Nirsa, that he continued, he renewed by, uh, with, uh, by by, uh, piercing his ear, that also is already mentioned. Uh, we're going to uh, explain where it's mentioned in just a second. It's from the word ish. We'll see that. But anyway, we already know that. Rather, it's talking about someone who was sold by a betin, and it's within his six years. They just sold him two or three years before the yovel, and then the yovel comes, that person also. That's what we do with that extra pasuk. Um, uh, now, uh, that's the b'raita. If you did have the, if this, uh, Tana had the Gezerah Shavah, why would he need this derivation from this extra Pasuk? He could have said, well, I know from someone who sells himself, himself, that's the original context here, so I could figure out from the Gezerah Shavah that someone who sold by a court also, from the fact that they don't use Sakhir Sakhir, but rather from the extra Pasuk, that means that this Tana does not use this Gezerah Shavah, right? Not necessarily. Maybe, in fact, he does have this Gezerah Shavah, but nevertheless, I might have thought that the following logic would override it. Uh, because mocher de la avad isura, someone who sold himself, he did not do a violation, meaning he didn't steal. He's just poor, and so he says, "Listen, I, I need to sell myself because I'm poor." Um, so that person deserves to have the right to get out during yovel. But someone who stole, didn't pay, and then comes to Betin and said you have to, or, or injured and can't pay, and he's, uh, uh, Betin has to sell him, that's because he did, he did a transgression. So he does not deserve to, um, uh, to leave in the Yovel. Maybe he, uh, he gets a penalty that he has to say, stay through Yovel. That's what I would have thought. Even if I have Sakhir Sakhir, I might, Sakhir Sakhir, I would have thought maybe it does not apply to this case. And that's why even this Tana, even if he has Sakhir Sakhir, would still need the Pasuk Veshav El Mishpachto. So therefore, this Tana is not necessarily uh, the one who does uh, not use the Gezer Shava. Uh, now, just and now we have to go back and analyze because we in the Braita I mentioned, Nirsa is already mentioned. Nirsa has already taught that he goes out in the Ovel. Where, where was that? Amar Mor, Ibn Sadek, Varamor, Maihi, Tetanya, Veshabtem, Ish El Achuzato, Ve Ish El Mishpachto, Ve Gomer, Bamea, Katumedaber, Ibn Mocheratsmo, Hare Kevar Amor, Ibn Hrubetin, Hare Kevar Amor, Haena Katumedaber, Ella Benesa, Shetime Veshaloshanim, Lifnehaiovel, Shayovel Mosio. So here, um, we're going we're to explain it through a, another Braita, 
That quotes another pasuk earlier in the same perek as this pasuk. That refers to uh, the land going back to its original owner and and everyone going back to his family, referring to slaves. It says the word ish here, uh, which is important. So now we ask, uh, what is this pasuk referring to? If it's talking about someone who sells him slave, that's already mentioned. Pasuk 40, um, later on. If it's one sold by a betin, we also saw that in Pasuk 41. Rather, this must be talking about someone who already was uh, got his ears pierced um, two or three years before the Yovel, that also that person, Anirsa, uh, also goes free in the Yovel. Now we want to explain this. My mashma. How do you see from this pasuk that's talking about Anirsa? Amarava bar bashela, Amarava bar shela, Amar kera ish, Ezo davashon hegbe ish veno no hegbe isha, Hebe omer resia. Since it says the word ish, an extra word, why, what is that adding? What is a law of slavery that applies to a male but not a female? That is being a nirsa. Only a male can extend his stay with, uh, by piercing his ear, not a woman. And therefore, this is talking about a nirsa. Good. Now, why do we need all these pesukim? Why can't we learn one from the other? We need the law. We need to learn the law regarding someone who sold by a betin and also someone nirsa. If you only had someone who that betin sold, uh, so I uh, might think that he goes free because his uh, he, he was just sold. His term didn't uh, was not up yet. So he deserves to go free. He didn't ask to be to, to be renewed. But Nirsa, who already finished his six years, and now he decided to stay as a permanent slave, I would say, well, he should be penalized, right? You're not supposed to stay as a slave. You wanted to stay? Uh, you renewed on your own, therefore you stay forever, and your veil doesn't doesn't uh, free you. I might have thought that, so that's why I needed to say be to, I need to be told regarding nirsa. If I only had nirsa, I might think Okay, but he he at least completed his six, and now he wants to stay longer. So maybe that it breaks the extended period for him. But he already did the minimum six. But someone who's uh, the betin sold him. He didn't even do the minimum six. And so therefore, maybe the Ovel does not break it. He has to, he has punished. He stole something. He has to pay. So he should have, maybe he has to do all six right through Yovel. I might have thought that. And that's why I need the other Pasuk uh, to teach me that someone is sold by Betin, Sericha. That's why I need both. I also need, this, this law is, is treated in Vaikra where it says, you will return to your land, and it says in Shemot um, that he will be a slave forever. What do you mean slave forever? Right? We, we see from here that actually means Yovel. So why does it say forever? If I only had the Pasuk in Shemot forever, I might say it's a permanent slave. So that's why um, I needed to say that they go back.
כתב לחמנה בשבתם. והיא כתב לחמנה בשבתם. If I only had the פסוק that says, he goes back, קו אמינא הנמי להכא דלה עבד שש, אבל הכא דעבד שש, לא יהא סופו חמור מתחילתו. מה תחילתו שש, אף סופו נמי שש. כמשמע לן, לעולם, לעולמו של יובל. And if I only had the פסוק that says, ושבתם, that he goes back in the, in the year of the Yovel, I might have thought that when do you, when does the uh, Nirsa go back in the year, uh, um, when does the Nirsa go back in the Yovel? Only when he has not yet reached six, six additional years. In other words, he did the original six, he became a Nirsa, and now Yovel comes in year three, so that he, that person will go free. But uh, someone who already did the original six, and then another six, as a nirsa, I might have thought, that's it, that's the maximum for, for a, nir, a nirsa. In other words, I might have thought that when you become nirsa, so then you get an additional six, and then you go free, right? So why? Because his end, his second stage, should not be more stringent than the first stage. The first stage, when it becomes an, initially an evidivity, that's only six years. So in the, the nirsa, maybe that just means that you get an additional six years. It shouldn't be worse, right? The elective renewal shouldn't be more years than the original uh, slavery and so I might have thought that Veshavtem therefore applies only within the six years but once six years uh, comes for a nirsa then they go free no matter what that's why I has to say Le'olam that a nirsa will, uh, will remain a slave forever even after six years um, but even though that Olam means the, uh, the uh, age of that Yovel, right? The entire period of that Yovel, not really forever, since it says Vishavtem. So by bringing the two words together, instead of treating it as a contradiction within the Torah, we see that each word is balancing each other out, um, that the Nirsa is more than six years, that's the Le'olam part, but not really for his whole life. It's only until the Yovel, that's the Vishavtem, that's what it teaches. Okay, Elamantana de la Yalif Back to the drawing board, we need another candidate for someone who does not have the Gezerah Shava of Sakhir Sakhir, and we recommend Rebihi. Maybe it's Rebihu Danasi, the Tanya. Vim lo yiga'el be'ele, Rebi omer be'ele hu nigal, ve'en nigal beshesh. We're talking about an Eved Ivri that's owned by a Nanju, and the Pesukim say regarding that person, this is uh, towards the end of Aikra 25, um, that he, if he, after he sold, one of his family has the right to redeem him. Uh, they should. Uh, either uh, Dodo or Ben Dodo, his uncle, his cousin, they can redeem him, or any other of his family from uh, 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 from his flesh uh, should redeem him. Uh, or if he can redeem himself, or if he can get some money, then he'll be able to redeem himself, and you calculate the number of years and uh, pay pro rata. Then, in the Pasuk back down here says, This word Be'ele is going to be key. If he cannot be redeemed in these ways, with the family, then then he goes free during the Yovel. So, Rabbi says um, that a Eved Ivri owned by a Nanju 
can be redeemed by that in those ways himself or his family but not six years if he's owned by a non-jew the law of six years only applies to an evidivity owned by a jew but an evidivity owned by a non-jew does not go free after six years now why do i right so it's saying specifically that the only way for him to be get out of uh, slavery is by being redeemed now why do i need this derasha if a regular evidivity owned by a Jew um, is not redeemed with his, by his family, and yet after six years he goes free, so this evidivity is owned by a non-Jew, where his uh, family does redeem him, he can be redeemed by his family, all the more so. He's more easily redeemed, all the more so. He should go free in the six. In, after six years. That's what I would have thought. Therefore, the B teaches, this word Be'ele says, not so, that an Evedivri owned by a non-Jew can only go free by being redeemed from his family or himself, but not automatically after six years. Now, that's what the B taught. Here's our analysis. If Rabbi did have this Gezerah Shavah, Sakhir Sakhir, it says the word Sakhir in this context also, in this, in this uh, section, regarding an Evadivri owned by a non-Jew. In addition, it says it regarding an Evadivri who sells himself to a Jew or that a Betin sells to a Jew. So it actually says it in all three contexts. So if you have this then why would you say someone who is not uh, redeemed in those ways? If you have the Gezerah Shavah, then you would say that even an Evedivri owned by a Jew can be redeemed by family. So since he doesn't say that, it means he doesn't have this Gezerah Shavah of Sakhir Sakhir. So that's why we propose that Abiyudanasi is the one that does not have this Gezerah Shavah. However, now we reject it. Maybe, in fact, the B does have the Gezer Shava of Sakhir Sakhir, and therefore he would learn this derivation, but here it says he, they will redeem him, Yigalenu, that extra, uh, that ex- those extra letters teach that you can only redeem this type of Evid, who is owned by Ananju through uh, redemption of family and not the others. So you could have Sakhir Sakhir, but you have another Dirasha that overrides it. So in the end, we actually don't have a definite uh, author of the person who says that we don't learn the Gezerah Shavah. Once we brought up Rabbi Yudan Asi, uh, uh, his opinion, now we're going to analyze those who disagree with him. Rabbi Yudan Asi said that uh, an Evedivri owned by Ananju is the only one that can be uh, redeemed by family, um, uh, but otherwise stays past six years. Who disagrees with him?
and Rabbi Akiva use this word for a completely different purpose, as the Braita teaches. Um, that if they are not redeemed by one of those fam- the family members. So then what happens? Um, is there a difference between being redeemed by a family member versus being redeemed by someone not related? So there is a difference, but which way does it go? Rabbi Yosei says, meaning these, the, the family members, if they redeem a, per, a, a slave that's owned by a non-Jew, then that slave goes free. But if it's a not fa- non-family member who redeems them, then they're redeeming them for further slavery. Basically, they're buying them, so it's better that they be a, a slave under a Jew than rather than under a non-Jew. Uh, so that's what he does with the word Be'ele. Rabbi Akiva, however, says the opposite way. Be'ele, these family members, if they redeem someone, then that Evadivri from a non-Jew, then they remain a slave in, within that family. Whereas if it's a not related Jew that redeems them, then they go free. Okay, well, how, how will they each explain this Be'ele? How does he understand this Pasuk? If he is not redeemed through with a family member, but rather with a not family member, then he remains a slave, and then he will go free in the Yovel. But it's a family member, he goes free right away, and then you don't need Yovel. Okay, clear enough. Rebbe has to add in a kind of extra word here. It says, if he is not redeemed, but rather he is, rede- is redeemed with a family member, then he remains a slave and he goes free in the Yovel. But if he's redeemed by a not family member, then he goes free right away. Okay. So Rabbi Yosei says, oh, you're adding in the word Ela before Be'ele. That's not a grammatically smooth way of reading it. Vimlo yigael. No, the natural place to stop is So if, it, if the family member does not redeem him, if the family did, did redeem him, they would go free. If the family member does not redeem him, but he is redeemed by a non-family member, then he will uh, go. Uh, then he will remain a slave and go free. Okay, so since Rabbi Akiva's reading is really not smooth at all, we're going to, to suggest a different basis of their machloket. Rather, based on this basis of this pasuk, which we also explain each phrase, if it's his uncle or his cousin, this is regarding family members. And then it says, or if he gets money himself, that's if he redeems himself. The last word we say is referring to um, a non-relative redeeming him. This is not really mentioned in the Pasuk explicitly, but we're using that extra word to talk about redemption by a non-family member. Now, what's the relationship between these two phrases? Rebiose says, take the, um, the middle one, which is about redeeming himself. If he redeems himself, certainly he goes free. And connect that with the one before, such that a relative redeeming him is the same as 
says he, he him redeeming himself. Just like if he redeems himself, he goes free. So too, if a relative redeems him, he goes free. So we connect the first two phrases together and separate from the sec, the last phrase. Rabbi Akiva says, no, we should connect the middle one with the one that comes after um, and uh, put it with the redemption by foreigners. Just like someone who redeems himself goes free, someone who is redeemed by a non-relative also goes free. Those second two are together, separated from the first one. If it's a relative, they remain a slave. We ask, Okay, if you're going to use it from this pasuk, then what do you need that extra word be'ele for? Because if I didn't have be'ele as a limiting word, I might have thought that you should read this pasuk to be all three together, that the middle one about redeeming himself should apply to the one before and to the one after, such that anyone who redeems him, relative, foreigner, are both like, uh, he himself. So that's why Be'ele says, if in these ways, meaning only these ways he goes free, but there is another way that he doesn't go free, and even though he's redeemed and remains a slave until the Yovel. That's why I need Be'ele. But we say, If that's how you're reading it, then that really makes sense only according to the Biyoseha Galili, that Be'ele is referring to the relatives that are named. If you do it Be'ele, then you go free right away. If not, if it's a non-relative, then you remain. It's difficult to read this according to the Biyakiba. You'd have to add in another Ela, right, before the word Ele. And so we go back to that, back to the drawing board. Ela bisvara the difference between Rabbi Yosegeli and Rabbi Akiva is not based on the Pasuk, but rather based on logic. Rabbi Yosegeli Sabad, it makes sense that if a foreigner redeems someone, then they remain a slave to that foreigner. Still better to be under a Jew than under a non-Jew. Because if it's to go free, then a foreigner is not going to want to redeem the person because what, I'm going to pay money and then they're just going to go free? Uh, so uh, if it's a, far, a non-relative, then we say, okay, you can keep him as a slave if you redeem him. That way it'll encourage them to redeem a family member. Family member will redeem the person to go free because it's family. So that can be expected. That makes sense. says, sometimes family members abuse their, their, uh, their obligation uh, uh, to each other. And um, and in, in this case, it, would, it could make sense that if it's a relative, um, if it's a relative, then he remains a slave because if a relative, when a relative redeems him, he would go free. Then what's that guy going to do? After he goes free, every day he's going to sell himself into slavery again. He gets money every time, and then he'll say, "Oh, my uncle, he'll my rich uncle, he'll redeem me." So the rich uncle redeems him. He goes free. What does he do? He goes right back into slavery, makes more money by selling himself, and the uncle will set him free. So because there are people who abuse their uh, the uh, the obligation that their relatives have towards them. So therefore, it makes that doesn't make sense. If the relative redeems him, he remains a slave. Don't hey, don't uh, don't sell yourself into slavery again. The above two opinions are only the those minority opinions of Rabbi Yosegeli and Rabbi Akiva. But Chachamim actually say that anyone who redeems. 
a slave that's owned by a non-Jew goes free, whether it's a relative or himself or a non-relative. Man Chachamim. Who is this Chachamim? Oh, none other than Rebihi. Rebi that we started, um, that we uh, discussed right just now. Since he uses the word Be'ele for a different reason to teach that as an Eved that's, that's owned by a non-Jew can only go through by, get free by redemption and not by six years. So he used the word be'ele as a limiting word for that already. Since he used it already, so he doesn't, he's not going to li- limit those three phrases and say, and he's, instead he's going to say that the middle one, redeeming himself, applies both before and to the one after, both to a relative or to a foreigner redeeming him. So to be is none other than chachamim who say, that you go free uh, with any uh, with anyone redeeming him. Now, lastly, but it be hi beyasabishnat tayovel my avid le. What is it be going to do with that phrase that he leaves in shnat tayovel? Biosegeli and biakiva both dealt with that phrase, right? Where there's someone who goes free right away, and there's another type of redemption who remains a slave and then will go free in the in the year of the yovel. But it be says everybody who's redeemed goes free right away. So what is he going to do with this phrase? that he has to wait until Yovel comes. Oh, this is referring to uh, that the, the fact that an Eved Ivri that's owned by a non-Jew goes free during Yovel is only when the non-Jew is under the authority of a Jewish government. There's some kind of Jewish government in Israel and the non-Jew has, is under it, then we can apply that law and force him to, uh, to free his slaves in the Yovel. So do you say that? Or maybe do you think it refers to a non-Jew not under your authority in Rome or uh, New York or wherever? Well, it's impossible because what are you going to tell him if it's not it's not under Jewish authority? So no one can go tell a non-Jew and force him to say, oh, you have to free the slave that you bought. Um, so it would be impossible for the Torah to legislate outside of a uh, Jewish jurisdiction. Therefore, it can only be when there's a non-Jew under Jewish authority and, and buys a Jewish slave. In that case, uh, the Jewish authority can tell him, this is the law of the land, that you must let all of your slaves go free and during the year of the Ovel. Baruch Adonai Amen v'amen.